0: Hello! Hello! Welcome to our mini-episode for Molly's Game. We're just going to be going over some fun facts and stuff. We have not been here for a while because of technology, and Grace had back surgery. How did that go? It went good. It was
1: rough for a couple of days, but then after that, think it's getting better, I would say. so. That's good.
0: So, there was a lot of fun rabbit holes that I kind of just went down. There was a computer crash that almost destroyed the episode, but surprisingly, I got over that. I did learn how to play poker because of this. That was fun. I went up to one of my friends that my husband plays poker with. And I was like, I have a favor to ask. And he was like, what? Like, it was kind of weird. I would go, can you teach me how to play poker? And I was like, I don't want to I don't want to come to the guys night. I don't want to like interfere. I just want to <laughs> learn because this movie I had to like explain. But it was so funny because it was like he's got kids. It was like if his kid came up to him was like, Dad, will you teach me how to ride a bike? He was so excited. <laughs> For someone to be interested in something he's interested in. And so we went over there. It was me and my husband, Blage, and he taught me how to play. And then I kind of became obsessed and now I have an app that I play on. But I'm (laughs) terrible. I am very terrible. It's not real money. And hopefully I will... This is a phase that I will get over in six months. Or you'll be in tournaments soon. So we'll see. I have a weird thing. Here's what I want. I don't want to be good. I want to be like mediocre enough To where someone planning a poker game, just like someone random I know, is like, we should put a poker game together. Who do we know that can play? Bolton can play. She's pretty good. Let's invite her. Like, that is what I want. I want to be thought of. Okay. I think you can get there. For sure. Thank God this is not real money because it is a problem. (laughs) So, we talked a lot about what we thought about the movie in the main episode. So, I I was probably just going to go straight into fun facts. But what did you think of the movie?
1: Um, I thought it was good. I will say I tried to watch it one time and I just must have not been in the right mind space because I got like an hour through and was like, okay, I'm gonna go do something else. But then when I actually sat down, like with the intention of talking about the movie, then I thought it went pretty fast. Like I didn't feel like I was waiting for the end or anything.
0: A lot of my facts, we kind of split, divided them. Mine are going to be kind of just additional clarifications to stuff we talked about, just because there was just no time to add it in the episode. And then you have a lot of stuff about what Molly's doing now. So, yeah. the first thing I wanted to talk about is kind of around the time that Molly gets the game for herself. And mm-hmm. we see her going to talk to her lawyer and this guy that plays the lawyer, his name is Michael Kostroff, and he is always the sleazy lawyer in everything, particularly <laughs> The Wire, which I love, but he's so good at it. like He's in SVU. I went through a phase where I was watching SVU a lot over the past month, and I, was, I kept seeing him, and he's so good at it. But what I thought was interesting was actually, she really went to two lawyers, one on the East Coast and one on the West Coast. And What they ended up telling her was not exactly what they tell her in the movie. They tell her technically, because poker is a game of skill, it's not a game of chance. Mm -hmm. It does not fall under that federal statute. So you could take a rake if you wanted to, but you probably shouldn't. And she lucked out or made the right decision to follow that advice because then it was about 2010 they changed the law. Why don't you explain that?
1: Um, so I basically just heard Molly talking about it in a different podcast I was listening to with Sasha Cohen, uh, Olympic figure skater. Uh, she has a Team USA podcast and they had Molly on it. And I guess in 2010, there was a case where they kind of pushed the boundaries as to whether poker did fall under the statute, even though it was a game of skill. And the judge ruled that it did. Um, so that was like the first time that they included it versus other games of chance.
0: So it made it where she could be criminally liable if she did take a rake, which she ended up doing anyway. But even before she takes the rake, they don't show this so much in the movie. When they tell her don't break the law without breaking the law, she walks the finest line in real life. And one of the biggest things that I kept hearing people ask her many times was, what was the biggest loss you saw somebody have in one night? And her answer consistently is $100 million. There was a guy that lost $100 million. And I was like, holy shit, how does that happen in a poker game? Which she fails to clarify. She clarifies it, but it's like at the end of the conversation when they're about to change the subject. She's like, well, it wasn't all from poker. They would go out of the room and they would be doing bets on different games and races and stuff. It was a combination of all of those things that made this guy lose that much money. And then notoriously, it's Rick Solomon, I'm pretty sure. And Rick Solomon is the guy that made the sex tape with Paris Hilton he would pretty regularly have sex workers come to a room near or around where they were which is exactly what the lawyer tells her not to do right. and he would go and do his thing with them and then come back all the time and she says this too she says it more in interviews now she doesn't talk about it in the book and it's not really in the movie like there were drugs were just rampant throughout this thing so right she was asking for this to kind of blow up
1: yeah Well, and that's when she talks about it now. She basically seems to suggest that it wouldn't have blown up if she hadn't gotten sloppy and like needed drugs and stuff to stay awake. But also you can't have this type of poker ring unless you're doing those types of things because people don't want to like go to a game for two hours, you know, it's I think it was part of the excitement that these were games that would go on for days at a time.
0: Yeah, we talked too about in the main episode how she really couldn't have somebody else run the game for she always had to be there. And that caused problems right. too. So there was a lot of breaking the law amongst us, not breaking the law. <laughs> and then I wanted to jump back and talk about how the game started before Molly got there. So the mm-hmm. game had already kind of been going, but it wasn't being run by Dean. It was being run actually by Toby McGuire and Harlan, the guy that's named Harlan Eustace, his real name is Houston Curtis, that wrote a book. Okay. He claims that they came up with this idea to then move it to the Viper room and bring in Dean Keith. Uh. But where they were doing it before was actually Toby McGuire's house. And this whole idea that they had a waitress that they tipped came from Toby McGuire's wife. She wasn't running the books so much, but she was serving them cocktails and stuff. And one day at the end of a game, Toby said, tip my wife if you want to come back. And so that is how that started, was because he was having people tip his wife while they were doing this. And then I thought this was hilarious. They came up with the idea to move it to the Viper Room. It was mainly because it would be a bigger space and they could bring in more people. Mm -hmm. And it was just people want to go to the Viper Room. And all the other players, they agreed with that. But the main thing that they wanted was they didn't want to have it at Toby McGuire's house anymore because Toby McGuire is vegan. And they were like, his snacks were terrible. He had these (laughs) shitty snacks and he wouldn't let people bring other food into his house that was not vegan. So he was very picky. And one thing he did to Molly that they don't talk about in the movie, but I wish they had because it just shows how he seemed nice, but he really wasn't from the beginning because she's going to Mm -hmm. pay him for one of the games that he's done. And we already talked about how he's kind of a bad tipper. And then he says, hey, by the way, from now on, I want us to use my card shuffler. It's like a machine that will shuffle the cards. Mm -hmm. And she says, okay. And he goes, but I'm not just going to like let the game use it. I want to rent it to the game. But he will not play. If the (sighs) shuffler is not used. And the thing is, technically, nobody is running this game, if you understand what I'm saying. So the person that's going to end up renting this thing and having to pay for it is Molly. So he was basically telling her, I will not come unless you pay for this thing. And he already didn't tip her well. So annoying. So that was just the beginning of Tobey Maguire being the worst. Yeah. And then I wanted to go into some of the celebrities that were involved in this in a little more detail. I have some kind of silly stories about them. Basically, we talked about this in the main episode. These celebrity names came from a deposition that was done for Bad Brad. His name is Bad Brad Marion in the movie. His real name was Brad Ruderman. He had a huge Ponzi scheme, and he was taking a lot of these people that thought they were investing in a hedge fund, and he was using that money in the poker game. And what ends up happening is he gets convicted. He's ultimately sued civilly by some of these victims to get the money back, but he does not have it. He's bankrupt. So they start going after these poker players. So that's how these names come up they're in the deposition and molly names some of these names then some of them she changes the names i'm not really sure why but apparently this deposition really was leaked it was 206 pages it was conducted on march 29th 2011 in the facility where brad was staying after he was waiting to be sentenced and I never found an actual transcript, but I found quotes from it in this okay. article. So I'm assuming that that is correct. But some of the people that Molly mentions in her book, and they were also sued, was of course Toby McGuire. And Toby actually won, and then Brad lost $311,000 to him. And then there was one specific night, July 30th, 2007, where Brad lost $110,000 to him on a single night craziness he ultimately settles and i'll get to what happens with all these lawsuits at the end some other people that are mentioned in the book and were also sued is nick cassavetes and he's the director of the notebook which he should just be sued for making the notebook so (laughs) (laughs) Bolton, sorry anyway I mentioned earlier that there was Rick Solomon, and Molly describes him in her book as caveman hot. That is literally what she says. And I do not understand why. He is scum- He is so terrible. And we talked about this in the main episode. One of the people that did come to the games a few times was Ben Affleck. And at the time, he was dating Jennifer Lopez, or he had just broken up with her. And a lot of these really famous people like Leonardo DiCaprio and Ben Affleck specifically, they didn't really like talking to people like Leonardo DiCaprio would wear his headphones because he just he wanted to play. And Ben Mm -hmm. Affleck was kind of the same. And he really didn't like talking about like his private life. And Rick Solomon comes up to him and he's like, so did JLo lo really have a good ass or is it cellulite? And apparently when he did this, and this is in Molly's book and it's also in Harlan slash Houston Curtis's book, everyone just kind of stopped and looked at him like, oh shit, he's going to get kicked out of here. And mm-hmm. Ben Affleck kind of looks at him and he was like, it's nice. And then there was like this awkward <laughs> silence where they kept playing, but he almost got himself kicked out of this game. Oh, my God. And like I said earlier, Molly did not allow professional poker players into the game because they would be too good. Mm-hmm. But there were a few that she kind of made an exception for. So one of them was a guy that was actually an actor in the 70s. He was on a sitcom called Welcome Back, Cotter. His name was Gabe Kaplan. He also is a voice in BoJack Horseman now. And he was in Murder, She Wrote, which is one of my favorites. And since acting, he actually got more into the poker scene. And he was in a lot of different poker tournaments starting in nineteen. 1978, he made his first appearance at the World Series of Poker. Then in July 2004, up until June of 2017. And he ended up being one of the people that was sued. But he was technically an actor. He was not a professional poker player. So she let him in because it was the celebrity of it. Right. And then those are all the people that were sued. The rest of them were not sued, but they were mentioned in the book and they've got some weird quirks. Like I mentioned, Leo was there and he did not like talking to anybody and he would wear his headphones the whole time. And it was kind of sad. The way Molly describes it, she was like, I realized that people constantly wanted his attention at all times and wanted to impress him and stuff. And playing poker was the time where he was left alone. He just wanted to focus on the game. So that's why he wore the headphones because he didn't want people to talk to him. Mm. And that made me sad for him. I was like, that's just... He can get anything he wants and all he wants to do is just play this poker. And he also, Leonardo DiCaprio really wasn't interested in coming, but it actually was Tobey Maguire paid for him to be bought into the game. And he was actually paying for his losses as well. Leonardo DiCaprio was only there at the beginning. He wasn't there for very long, but Toby wanted him there for that time. And it was sort of the same thing with Ben Affleck. He didn't buy for Ben Affleck to come in, but he kept pushing Molly. They communicated a lot about trying to get Ben Affleck into a game. And the thing with Ben Affleck that everybody liked was, it's not like he was a great poker player, but he was kind of reckless. He would make these high bets when it it was kind of risky, basically. Yeah. So people could make pretty good money off of him. So he was always a good time, even though he did not like people talking about Jennifer Lopez. Fair. (laughs) And this is probably my favorite, and it just makes me love him even more. Matt Damon came to a game once. And he came with Ben Affleck and he was so overwhelmed by the amount of money at stake. He didn't like it and he never came back, which just warms my heart. Like Matt Damon, (laughs) I just love him. Yeah. And then one person that, Molly changes his name, but he's referenced in the movie and he's referenced in the book, is this guy, I don't know how to say this guy's name. I know who he is. His name is Dan Bilzerian. Am I saying that right?
1: Looks right. I don't know.
0: He's a professional poker player, and this was the one, like, actual exception. It wasn't a celebrity poker player. It was an actual poker player that Molly let in. The reason she let him in is she and Toby came to the conclusion that, like, he wasn't necessarily super good at poker, but he was a good risk taker, and so he wasn't going to make the game stop if he was there by just beating everybody. So they let him come in, but this guy... If you look at his Instagram, he's just this humongous bearded dude that's completely roided out. And he's always taking pictures with like guns and naked (laughs) ladies, which is fine if that's your thing. But I'm just like, I feel like you don't. I just don't like you. Anyway, it's fine. I don't like him. He has too many guns. It's fine. (laughs) So that was the one actual pro that she let in. And then okay. this is one of my favorite stories. Molly did not like a lot of people coming into the game that were not actually playing. But she started to run into a problem with a lot of celebrities. She mentions this with Nelly. Nellie came a bunch of times and Nellie would just bring an entourage of people in with him. And mm. she kept trying to say, your girls can't come in here and stuff. I just want the players. And somebody came in and they brought the Olsen twins and she was mad because she turned to she was like, who brought girls here? And then she realized they were the Olsen twins and she was like, oh, I I can't ask them to leave. They got (laughs) to (laughs) stay. And then I want you to tell this story because I completely missed it when it happened. But basically after Molly's in L.A., she goes to New York and they mentioned this briefly in the movie that there's not like the Hollywood stars there. But the one thing that New York has that L.A. does not is the Yankees. And there was one Yankee. That everybody wanted to see and who was it yeah a rod yes and a rod's manager denies that he ever played in these games and technically that is true (laughs) because he just (laughs) he just wanted to come and watch he never played so he was there but he never played but that whole part in the movie where they're like take the name write it on the napkin put it in the glass that was a rod the entire time yeah
1: so it's like so crazy because they used A-Rod to get people there who would spend money and A-Rod never played at all and never spent money and no one ever got to play A-Rod but just being close to A-Rod was like enough for people.
0: I know. He played for the <laughs> Rangers when I was a kid actually. I remember that. Oh really? Yeah. Aww. <laughs> so <laughs> Back in the day. And then I mean there were some billionaires and record label owners but Quite honestly, I don't know who the fuck these people are, so I'm just not going to mention them. I will say the one person that looks familiar was Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was the CEO of DreamWorks, and then he was a chairman at Walt Disney Studios, and Macaulay Culkin. Now, what ends up happening with all of these lawsuits is these celebrities do not want their name going through the mud. They're being associated with a Ponzi scheme, and it looks really bad. All of them settle. None of them take this to trial, including Molly. Molly paid out a settlement as well. So there were 22 victims in all, and they ended up getting paid $1.75 million. And those were some of the celebrities involved in all of this. And I can safely say that I am just fine (laughs) never, ever going to
1: LA. Well, then the New York scene is like so odd, too. But I would like to go to New York, but not to live,
0: to visit. (laughs) Yeah. And now you have some stuff. Tell us what ended up happening to Molly
1: so basically now when she talks about the experience she talks about how what really got her like sucked into running this poker game is wanting to feel like a somebody because as we talked about she like had just come off of this skiing career that by all standards she was ranked very high in the country but she didn't get to the level that she wanted to she didn't go to the olympics so she had her bad accident she decided to retire but she's still like seeking to be a somebody and so when she was put into these poker games um, by her former boss dean keith i forget the real guy's
0: name darren feinstein
1: yeah she started to realize that she got to be close to people of power and people of power would talk about things in front of her and around her and she kind of said what was most addictive to her was this access to information she knew that she was hearing things that normal people wouldn't know So I thought it was kind of interesting after her New York case, they did want her to be an informant and rat on other people and other games and she wouldn't do it. And I, in my mind, I think part of that, well, part of it's not wanting to piss people off, right? And wanting to still like look good in their eyes and not be a rat. But I think another part of it is she really liked that she had that private access to information. Like, I don't want to give that to people because that takes away from my status and my power.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I've listened to her in a couple of interviews, and she's a good storyteller, and she explains it very well, and it's very intriguing to listen to her. Yeah. But I think she kind of loves that. Like, that is her thing. I mean, yeah. she's a motivational speaker now, so. Right. And she's in control of how much information everybody else gets. Yes. To know about her story. She yeah. really is. It's hard to find stuff. Yeah. I was going after things for a while. And speaking of informants, I have one more thing. Yeah. I forgot to put this in the main episode. We just didn't have time. But our dear old friend, Douglas Downey, (laughs) he is real, but he's not. So there was really an informant that did tell the FBI that Molly was raking the games and did explain all these things that were going on that were in her indictment. However, Douglas Downey specifically is a made up person. Gotcha. And I could not find who it really was. And you probably wouldn't be able to. But I do love that character. He was very funny.
1: Yeah, I like that character, too.
0: So dear old Douglas Downey was not real. But anyway, continue. (laughs)
1: My next fun fact, I think this is why they mentioned at the end of the movie, she's like, I can never go to Canada. So I guess the reason that they felt the need to throw that in there is because a lot of the movie was filmed in Canada. So since she was a convicted felon at the time the movie was filmed, she couldn't go like be on set. But she did meet with Sorkin like back in LA and work on production stuff. And they got very close. There were some rumors from a Sony email leak that someone suggested that her and Sorkin were sleeping together. I don't know if that's true or not. People do say they were really close. But I think if someone's making a movie about a really big event in your life, and furthermore, it's like based off of a book that you wrote, I think you're gonna become close to that person. Not necessarily like romantically, but I think it might seem like more than it is, I guess. Yeah. You're trusting that person and you're also hoping this person can get you to the next stage in your life. Because this was really like, okay, this is what's going to make the next stage be okay and get me some money so that I can figure out what I'm doing next and kind of profiting off of the hard times.
0: And she was really, really particular about that. At some point, Aaron Sorkin told her, I will make this movie for you, but you get no say in any of the creative rights. And she said, absolutely not. Like she fought him on that for a while. It almost didn't work out. It ended up working out, but that was was a big thing for her and i can see why after that sorkin chose to make charlie as the lawyer this fake person Mm -hmm. because i'm sure sitting down with her is very intriguing and he kind of wanted to reflect that in the movie somehow it makes sense
1: yeah yeah that does make sense
0: And then the last thing I have is just kind of like
1: what she's doing now and what her husband's doing now. So basically, Molly didn't really realize that she had some issues as far as what success looked like until after the movie was made. She said that she was at her mom's house still because she didn't have money and she was she had fought Sorkin for like a pretty good deal, so she was going to get paid well for when this movie was made. So he calls her one day and says, The movie's finished, it's a beautiful film, and I just sent the wire transfer. And in her mind, she thought that, okay, as soon as that wire transfer hits, like my anxiety's gonna be gone, my depression's going to lift, and like things are gonna look up. And then she realized it didn't happen right away, like there was more to work on. And now she's married to a guy who's studying neuroscience, and I think they've both gone through 12-step programs. So they're working on an app that uses information they've learned in 12-step and information from studying neuroscience to kind of work to rewire your brain and see if you can change how you relate to the world to sort of brighten your outlook or figure out how you can stop things from triggering that anxiety and depression as much. She also plans on writing a second book. When I heard her on the podcast with Sasha Cohen, it sounds like it's a little up in the air still, because at one point she said it picks up from after sentencing. And then another time she basically said she wanted it to be sort of a guide with strategies of how to approach your dreams or pick yourself back up. So it sounds like an interesting concept.
0: Yeah, I heard a couple of things where she talked about what's happening in the future. And Mm -hmm. I didn't hear the neuroscience thing, actually. But she did talk about how she was like, I am done with memoirs. I'm not doing any more. Got it. She did talk about doing some form of self-help related Mm -hmm. type of thing. I also read an article, and it was quite old, that Bad Brad, I believe it was from 2018. He said he was writing a tell-all book. And he also says that everything Molly said is not true. I have yet to Mm -hmm. see anything written by him. So...
1: Yeah. Oh, one thing I did learn. This is just like a little fun fact for the law students or lawyers of the world. Is she did say that Aaron Sorkin massively inflated her LSAT score. So, <laughs> just
0: so you know. Oh my God. <laughs> she didn't
1: score that highly on the LSAT.
0: <laughs> not that it really matters, but you know. First of all, don't go to law school. I'm just going to say that right here. <laughs> but if you are not going to listen and do it, just take it once. My LSAT score was embarrassingly low, and I (laughs) made it through. But I don't do that anymore, so maybe don't take my advice. Anyways. The world is your oyster still, Bolton. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Well, that's all I got. Hope everybody enjoyed it. We will put this up on the podcast feed. And then next time, what are we doing next time? We're doing Catch Me If You Can. And I'm ready for it. I'm excited about this one. It is really fun. And we still have to record it, but it's going to be good. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you all or you will hear from us (laughs) soon. Soon. Yep. Bye, guys.
1: Thanks, guys. Bye.